according to a study published in HBR, 30% of employees in the U.S. prefer to work from home and 55% of employees prefer to work in a hybrid module, which means only 15% actually want to go back into full office mode. Similarly, a study published by IDEO says that 80% of organizations expect to go hybrid. And this is what we're going to talk about today, because as a leader of a team who will transition from a remote setup into a hybrid team setup, there are a few specific and very important things to consider. Here's the question. How do you successfully transition into your first official leadership role, build the confidence and competence to lead your team effectively, and establish yourself as a respected and trusted leader across the organization? That's the question, and this show provides the answers. Welcome to the Manager Track Podcast. I'm your host, Ramona Shaw, and I'm on a mission to create workplaces where work is not seen as a source of stress, but as a source of contribution, connection, and fulfillment. And this transition starts with developing a new generation of leaders. I'm a leadership coach, a mom of three, a coffee lover, and a travel enthusiast. Stick around because in this show, you'll learn how to think, communicate, and act to become a confident, high-performing leader people love to work with. Let's go. Welcome to this episode of the Manager Track podcast. I mentioned in the intro the studies by HBR as well as IDEO about the number of employees who are looking forward to a hybrid model or want to stay fully remote, even post-COVID times, if there is such a thing. But what we really refer to here is seeing a world where COVID-related restrictions are loosening up and offices are welcoming employees back in. From the range of conversations that I have day in and day out with leaders across a wide range of organizations and leaders with very different personality styles and preferences and work setups, uh, some of them are eagerly looking forward to get out of the house and mingle and be back into an office setup, even if it's just for a few days. And others feel a sense of anxiety and stress just thinking about going back into an office setting or taking that commute back on. And then there are also all the people who've actually never been in the office because they were hired remotely, they are in a different location than maybe their company headquarter. And they know that while they may not be going back to an office, that some of their team members will be back in an office setting. And that can create some concern as well in terms of how will that work when some of my colleagues are back in an office, I see them in a meeting room, I know they're going to go out for lunch together or happy hour, and I'm not part of that. There may be some FOMO, some fear of missing out, or just overall concerns in terms of transparency and information flow and uh, promotability or visibility in the organization. And if you find yourself in a situation like that, somewhere on that spectrum, then this episode is for you specifically if you're leading a team and you're going to be part of strategizing what that hybrid setup will look like, and people will look to you to ensure that you're creating a high-performing and engaged and inclusive team, regardless of where people are located. So as a lot of companies are moving forward with their back-to-office plans, I decided to put together a full one-hour class that I will teach on March 30th, 2022 at 12 p.m. Pacific time. 
And I will include the link to the Eventbrite registration page in the show notes so you can go even deeper and learn a lot more tactics and ideas and tools to lead your team beyond what we're able to do in this podcast. Again, that will take place on March 30th at 12 p.m. Pacific time, and you'll find the link in the show notes. And even though we don't have a full hour for this particular episode, there are a few really important things that you want to consider as you're transitioning into a hybrid module and what that means for you as a leader. And that's what you're going to get out in the next 20 minutes or so. So first off, high, high level, like 30,000 foot view. When we think about a hybrid module and how to create a high-performing team in such a work setup, there are two super important aspects. Because most people who don't have positive experiences with this hybrid setup, they complain about one of the two. If in everything that you do and all your decisions related to a hybrid team setup, if you keep these two factors in mind, you're already miles ahead. The first factor has to do with fairness, which means that remote employees have to have access to the same resources, information, and opportunities as those do who are working in the office. And we are all biased because what we see seems more familiar, seems more relatable. And I'm not saying you cannot have biases because that would be impossible to ask of a human being. We all have biases. But for you as a leader to recognize, oh, these biases will come into play and I might find myself favoring in-person employees or those that I see more often in one way or the other is key. So having that awareness is really important so that you can steer against it and challenge your own thinking when you make decisions. In fact, the best way to course correct this innate bias to more favorably treat the people in an office and for them to have more access to resources, information, visibility, is to consciously think of a remote first office culture. So any decision, be this the tools that you use, the way that you document information or decisions, the way that you measure performance, the way that you run meetings, the initial approach should always be remote first. Not hybrid first, but specifically remote first. And that will get you in that mindset and will naturally help you course correct some of the biases that you might inherently have and help you set up a more fair environment for those people in office and out of office. The second factor on that 30,000 foot level view is inclusiveness. Because when hybrid teams fall apart or when there's disengagement, demotivation, high attrition rates and so forth on hybrid teams, it's because they either don't feel like they're treated fairly or they don't feel their setup was inclusive. Again, by having this remote first approach to the things that you do, this will help with inclusiveness as well. But it also means that you might want to spend a little bit more time with people that are remote, that you want to make sure that the way that information is documented or the way that decisions are made feels really inclusive to those who are away. Also, anything kind of social activities, you want to make sure that there is something built into where they feel that they're included, 
when you're thinking about the way that you set up your team meetings, how can you create more inclusiveness? So these two questions and how can I treat them fairly and how can I be inclusive should always be top of mind for you as a leader managing a hybrid team. Now let's move down to about a 10,000 foot view. So when we look at that 10,000 foot view, there are three specific aspects or phases to consider as you're transitioning into a hybrid work setup. The first phase is all about analyzing. And at that point, you want to not only analyze what are the company policies and the protocols that you need to pay attention to, but also what are your individual team members' preferences and non-negotiables. And by the way, these are two different things. There are the non-negotiables and then there are the preferences. And you want to get really clear on what falls into which of these categories. And when you talk to your team members about figuring out what they need and want, come from a, or come with that mindset of wanting to listen to understand. You're not going into these conversations trying to negotiate or make a point with people. You're simply there to ask questions, to gather data and input and information to then analyze what are the needs on the team? What are the preferences on the team? And beyond the people aspect of this, also what are the needs from a task perspective or a project perspective? Meaning which tasks have to be done when and where? Let's talk about when for a second. When means does it have to be done within working hours? Does it have to be done in the morning because there is a midday deadline, for example? Or can it be done at any time or even any day of the week? Then you look at the tasks and ask the question, where do they have to be done? Can they be done from home? Can they be done from anywhere, even if someone's on the road? Or do they have to be done in the office? And depending on this analysis, when you look at the different tasks that your team is responsible for, all those inputs, will, all those data points will help you decide what will be the best hybrid model for you and the team obviously all of it in the overall organizational uh, policies and guidelines. But the key here is that there is not one size fits all. There is not one answer that's going to work for every team and every person. But you as a leader, you have to be attentional here and also strategic in the way that you go about this transition. So that first phase is all about analyzing, um, having conversations with team members, having conversations with stakeholders, talking to your boss, then looking at all the responsibilities on your team, drilling down on what needs to be done, where, when, and by whom to then decide what will work and what will not work for your team. The second phase is all about planning. So first you analyze, then in the planning process, you want to look at the full year, ideally, and plan out any organizational-wide get-togethers, or uh, big events, maybe you have a gala, or maybe you have a conference, or there are other events that you know people will have to be in the office or will have to be traveling. Put them down on your plan. Then look at potentially quarterly get-togethers or offsites or quarterly business reviews, where you also feel like, huh, this is a time when we should meet, socialize, and get business done, or finish up projects. And then even further, you want to look at when are we going to do which kind of meetings, weekly meetings, bi-weekly meetings, monthly meetings, 
And which of those need can be done from any location and which of those do you want to have in person or want to make sure that people are actually in the office? Another aspect to consider when it comes to planning is to decide ahead of time how success and performance will be measured. And this is important not only for you to measure the performance of the individuals on your team and to be able to create accountability and ownership as well as give feedback and overall track their performance in a very transparent way, regardless of where they're located, right? So if the people who are remote feel like they're not being trusted and their performance doesn't count as much and they have a harder time to get promoted just because it's not visible what they're doing or there isn't enough transparency, then you're going to run into issues. So deciding ahead of time, what will success look like? How will we measure it? And then have these transparent conversations with your diet reports about where they stand. But deciding ahead of time how success will be measured is also important for you to manage upward. Because if your boss is not sure how well your team is doing and how well individuals on your team are doing, because there isn't an agreed upon standard or KPI, key performance indicator that you've all aligned on, then they may make up sort of their subjective opinion of what they think is happening. We see this often, and actually this happened a lot in the beginning of the pandemic, when people started to work remote and the KPIs or the success metric overall wasn't clearly defined. Some managers and leaders were very confident and comfortable with, the, uh, with their employees working remotely, and there's a lot of trust and engagement. And then others felt like, oh my God, I don't know what they're doing. I have no visibility and I don't know how to measure their performance. Are they being lazy or they're disengaged or are they actually contributing? And in, if you find yourself in a situation like this, can only exist if there wasn't a clear alignment or even way of tracking someone's performance. If that's clear, then you'll always know where people stand. Now, not every job can be tracked as easily as others, and there's definitely not one set of KPIs that you'll need to know about. You'll have to decide what that is for your team overall, but then also broken down for every single person on your team, including yourself. So phase one was analyze. Phase two was the plan. Now phase three is all about execution. And now we're drilling down to the 10-foot view. At that level, you want to decide some tactical things, such as how you're going to run the virtual meetings. One popular best practice is for everyone, wherever they're located, to dial in to a conference room so that even though some people are in the same meeting room or in the same location, the experience virtually is that everyone's dialed in with their own laptop or their own uh, setup, and it feels more fair and equal to everyone regardless of where they're located. It also boils down to deciding on a communication protocol or some policies, as well as how to document decisions that have been made. Oftentimes, when we're in office setups, decisions kind of get made in quick chats, not necessarily a meeting, and we might forget to inform other people who are impacted by these decisions. And then that can create frustrations because they feel like they've been left out or they're not important or their voice isn't important. And that is definitely a contributing factor to demotivating employees. So in order to avoid that and prevent it, 
set up some rules and guidelines on how decisions will be documented, where will they be documented, what kind of communication tools are you using, and in which way. Which means if you are using Slack, for example, there is a good way, productive way to use Slack. And then there is a very un highly unproductive way to use Slack. And that is if people feel they need to be constantly online and their status needs to always show available. And if they don't respond to a message within 15 minutes, then that sends the indirect message to their superior or others on the team that they're not working. And especially remote people don't want to feel like they're being seen as someone who isn't working. So they might just hover and obsess over Slack. Highly unproductive. The way to prevent this is for you as a leader to decide how fast are we responding to Slack messages or collaboration tool messages? How fast are we supposed to respond to internal emails versus external emails? When and if we want to do and need to do focused work, deep work, what's the status that we're going to put on a collaboration tool? And do we have specific non-meeting days or offline days where people are supposed to be doing their strategic work or their project work? Again, there isn't the right or the wrong, but you have to take the lead in deciding and communicating with your team what those protocols are, these agreements are, and then you start off with a draft or a first idea, and then you have to evolve these guidelines because you will notice that once you're in that hybrid model and you're working that way, you will learn new things of what's working or what isn't working. Um, so make sure that anything that you set up isn't set in stone, but it's meant to be evolved over time. It's meant to be iterated and you communicate that accordingly to your team members. Highly suggest asking for feedback on the setup and the guidelines or rules and agreements that have been put in place at least on a monthly basis. And then based on the feedback that you get from your directs, make small adjustments as you go along. So let me quickly recap. There were the three phases. Number one is to analyze, number two is to plan, and number three was to execute. And overall, the big two, the big two themes to keep in mind is fairness and inclusivity. And when you keep all that in mind and you're being strategic and intentional in how you transition into a hybrid model, you will set yourself and your team up for success. As I said in the very beginning of this podcast episode, I will do an in-depth training, a one-hour training specifically on leading a hybrid team on March 30th. And you will find the link to the Eventbrite registration page in the show notes below. If this is a topic that's top of mind for you right now, or you know this is going to come in the next three months, then definitely sign up as I will share a lot more than what we had a chance to talk about today. I hope to see you there. Or then I talk to you next week in another episode of the Manager Track podcast. Thanks so much for listening in. Have a great week and bye for now. If you love this show, then you love even more my free training for new managers. If you haven't watched this training yet, then I'll strongly encourage you to sign up at RamonaShaw.com forward slash masterclass. You'll discover the key shifts you'll need to make as a new manager and the number one most common mistake to avoid. Plus, you'll walk away with actionable tips that you can apply in your role right away. Go to RamonaShaw.com forward slash masterclass to sign up.